Good evening, climbers. It's Patrick James here with the fourth episode of From the Bottom Two podcast. Today, we're talking about self-esteem and self-worth. And this is a little bit of a change from the previous episodes, a little bit less on the research, a little bit more on personal stories. So just so you're aware, some weird stuff is said. That's just who I am, baby. You got to deal with it. Uh, make sure you hit me up on iTunes and Stitcher. Leave me a review. Give me a like. The more people that see this through those good likes and good reviews, the more people we can help. I'll have the links to both of those right in the show notes below. So without further ado, episode four from the Bottom Two podcast. Again, great music to bring us in for my good buddy, Charlie Turner. Good evening and welcome to the fourth episode of From the Bottom to Podcast. I'm your host, Patrick James. You can always find me on my website, pjvoice.net, on Facebook, on backslash DJ Patrick James, and on Twitter, at PJ VoiceWorks. So make sure you check that out. And today's episode, we're going to start changing the focus a little bit. Uh, we're still going to have a topic. Today's topic is going to be talking a little bit about self-esteem and self-worth. We're also going to start a little bit more on focusing on those goals of the three things that I started, two of which I succeeded, one of which I have not. I'll give you a quick update on that. And then I'm going to tell you a little bit uh, more about me. I'm going to tell you some stories that relate to the topic at hand and maybe give you a little bit of some of my personal beliefs on situations that relate to the topic that we're talking about. So today the topic is self-esteem or self-worth. We'll start by recapping the goals from last week. So as you know, I have three goals that I'm currently working on, drinking water, meditating, and getting some more physical exercise. Again, this last week, I was successful on two out of the three, and well, <laughs> unfortunately, those same two or three are still successful. I still have not picked back up into walking. I'd like to make an excuse for it here, make it sound like there's something important going on, but it's not. I've just been kind of lazy. That's something I'm going to have to work on. I, I know this. I'm going to start trying again soon. Motivation is a very fickle and funny thing, but that's probably something for another day. The meditation is going pretty well. I finished the 10-day thing through Headspace, and now I'm kind of at a point where I'm, I'm doing it myself, and I've been doing it every day. I wake up, and after I shower, before I go to work, I sit down for 15 minutes, and I, and I meditate. I'm finding it a little difficult since the meditation is no longer guided, and I'm not really fully versed on all the practices right now. I'm kind of just basing that 10-day start that I had through Headspace and now I'm trying to just work it on my own. And the approach varies from day to day. Without the, the voice in the, my ear talking, I'm finding that some days it's going really well and other days I'm having a lot of trouble concentrating or focusing on not focusing on things. It's kind of, kind of a funny way to put it, but I find that my mind is wandering and I'm having the, the conscious running thought that the meditation is kind of supposed to get rid of. As an overall benefit, I have noticed that I'm a little, I'm a little, it's a little easier for me to, to calm that voice down in my head to, to get it to more or less, you know, shut up. When I find myself getting into negative thought cycles or patterns, I'm finding myself going, wait a minute, and then focusing on my breathing for 5, 10, 15 seconds to kind of snap myself out of that negative feedback loop, which is really good. I, I actually really like that. It's kept me from flipping out at certain situations that I might normally get really offended or upset with. So I'm actually very happy about that part of it. And the third one is drinking the water. That is still going strong. I'm still drinking anywhere from 96 to 128 ounces of water every day, uh, which is good because it's 
starting to get really hot up here in upstate New York. I'm recording this now on May 26th, and it's been like 90 all day. And if you know New York heat, it is not a dry heat. So I am sweating, and it's kind of gross. And thankfully, since I'm drinking so much water now, it's not as big of an issue. So those are the three things I'm going to keep trying to work on. I'm going to keep you posted on them, let you know you know what's going on for me, how it's going. And if you have any other suggestions of things that I could do or stories about things that you're trying to work on, please send them on over. Either hit me up on the DM on Twitter or shoot me a message on my Facebook, facebook.com slash DJ Patrick James. And I will make sure to get back to you. And if I find it interesting, heck, I'll talk about it right here on this podcast. So today we're going to talk a little bit about self-esteem and self-worth. Now, the definition of self-esteem varies from site to site because this isn't an exact science like you know, depression is, is pretty standard cut and dry. They have a, a standard definition for that. For self-esteem, it's it's a little more nebulous from what I've seen. And these are definitions I pulled from the University of Texas's website and from the website for the Mayo Clinic is that it is based on your thoughts, relationships, and experiences, the good versus the poor, the healthy versus the unhealthy relationships and experiences. And that kind of feeds in and focuses to your self-esteem or self-worth, which is basically what you think of yourself. Now, if you're listening to this podcast or anything like me, you are probably towards the negative side of that. And that's totally understandable. I'm obviously right there with you. That voice in my head that I've talked about so many times really likes to nag on me about being overweight and not attractive. Because I mean, let's face it, up until maybe 10 years ago, I had extreme difficulty even getting a woman to date me. And in that meantime, since then, trouble finding and, and keeping the right ones. Now, things seem to be going on a better path for me for that. But it really did have a negative impact on my self-esteem. And it's something I deal with a lot on day-to-day basis. Some of the things that it can do is make you feel like people are out to get you when they're not, make you look for guidance when you don't really need it. It's kind of crazy. But like with that inner voice, there's actually research out there that says that having a bad self-esteem isn't a death curse and it isn't the end of the world. You can actually change this through different ways, meditation being one of them, therapy being another, going and seeing help from that or a mentor or a teacher can also be beneficial. And another big one, which relies more on self-esteem than it does on the meditation is that uh, the thought of self-compassion, cutting yourself a break, saying you're sorry. And when we were talking about forming good habits, that was a big part of it is when you skip a day, say you're sorry. And that little bit of self-compassion can actually make a big difference on your self-esteem because instead of just keeping everything, taking everything to heart and really focusing on like, oh, I screwed that up. This is you know totally screwed. I'll never fix this. My life is over. I'm going to be you know homeless and dead within three years. Well, I mean, let's face it. That's not always the case. And so if you screw up and you just go, oh, you know what? You apologize, Chef. I'm sorry. You know, that, that shouldn't happen. I'll do better next time. And that makes you keep thinking, you know, okay, I'll do better next time. Now, it's not an excuse to let yourself off the hook and never do things, which I, <laughs> I realize I am starting to do with that walking thing. And I do vow to get that back because I really don't like being overweight. But it's, it's one of those things where, say, one day I didn't drink as much water as I would have liked to. Well, I could beat myself up for it. And then the next day, I'm probably less likely to drink water. I'm probably less likely to keep the good momentum going. However, if I just apologize to myself, say, hey, you know, you didn't do great today. You'll do better tomorrow. I found that it actually does keep me on a more positive track. For example, today I had a really difficult time getting focused on meditation. I actually wound up breaking up my session into different sessions. Like I broke 15 minutes up into a 10 minute chunk and a five minute chunk for no reason other than I kept getting distracted and I felt like I needed to reset because it was feeling very difficult, which from what I've read is very normal, but it was very frustrating to me. I get 
very frustrated when things aren't going the way I, way I want. And I think a lot of that is based on this low self-esteem. Now, I found that many people with low self-esteem have – there are basically three faces of the person with low self-esteem. There's the imposter, which is the person that is basically fake it until they hope they make it. But it really inside, they think that they're always going to be figured out. Like the guy who thinks he's really – or goes out and has the outward appearance of being really confident but is driving that $150,000 car because he has a really small penis and he's really afraid of being caught out as an imposter. Like, oh, they'll never – you know, they, they'll figure me out. Or somebody who blusters a lot and pretends to never be wrong at work. Maybe that's a sign that they don't really know all that they're leading on to and they're putting up that false bravado just because they're afraid of being caught out and being exposed as a fraud. The other one is the rebel, the person who takes those thoughts of inadequacy and changes them from I don't feel good enough to I don't care. You know, the person who kind of just rejects the, the, the meanings and ways of society to say, you know what, it's not a big deal to me. And it may very well be a big deal. Like, say they didn't get asked out by the prom queen, you know, and they're like, oh, well, she's probably a bitch anyway. That's a lot of that it rebel feeling of, well, you know, obviously this isn't good enough for me. Forget it. I'm better than that. When in all actuality, what they really want is to be accepted or be felt of as necessary in whatever they're rebelling from. The third one is the victim. And this is one that sounds harsh. And I, when I was reading the definition, I'm like, oh, that's me. I don't want to be a victim. I'm not a victim. Screw that. The, the victim tends to look repeatedly for outward, like it's always somebody else's fault. It's, it's not your fault that the world isn't going right. It's somebody else's. Somebody else got the job. Somebody else has the car. Somebody else has the luck that I was supposed to have. And these people also tend to look repeatedly for guidance from others. And I, that was the part that really rung true was like, I don't really believe myself to blame other people for a lot of problems, but I do tend to look for guidance when I not necessarily need it. And then you get to the point where you ask for this guidance and you, and you get this guidance from people and then you dismiss it as useless. Like, oh, you don't know any better than me. What, what are you? Come on. Like, get real. And that's something I, I dealt with a lot. Now, like I said, getting help from others can be, be helpful in this, but a lot of the low self-esteem work that you need to do comes with yourself. Making sure that you're telling your, you know, you're not just constantly telling yourself you're stupid, you're fat, you're ugly, you're stupid, you're fat, you're ugly. But you know, get get more out there. Now, a lot of self-esteem issues can be basically pointed to in events or traumas from your childhood or your parents that affected that or shaped it. And the funny thing is, it's not always an abuse case. I know a lot of people think, you know, when you bring up parents in therapy, it's like, oh, my parents touched me, my parents abused me. But that's not always the case. And sometimes the best meaning of intentions that your parents have may have caused you some serious psychological harm along the way. One of the things that really shocked me when I read it was that low self-esteem can come from perfection, expectations of perfection. I'm like, whoa, that, that rings to me to a T. I was always brought up in a household where if I got lower than an A, well, that was it. You're grounded. And after a while, it didn't matter as much to my parents. I, I have two younger brothers that weren't quite as good academically as I was. And, you know, it would have seemed really contradictory of my parents to be like, oh, it's okay for you to get a C, but Patrick, you better get an A. But by that time, it had already been instilled in my head that anything less than an A wasn't good enough. So if I ever did fail at something, I really, really beat myself up at it, or I'd find something difficult and hard and then just give up. Like, I'm, <clears throat> this is stupid. If you've ever watched The Big Bang Theory, really good Example of this is when they, they're trying to teach Sheldon to drive. Howard makes this big simulator to get him to drive, and he's like mowing down people in a mall, and it's awful, horrible. He's practicing and practicing and practicing. He gets frustrated with it. He ends it, and he 
goes, oh, well, you know, I'm, I'm not going to drive because my, my mind is too advanced for this. It, it's a plebe task. There's, there's no way that this is for me. Well, really, buddy? That's, that's pretty interesting. Like, okay. Well, that's what happens is you think, oh, well, th- this clearly is, is not my fault. This is something wrong with the task itself. I, no, I, you know, it, I'm too good for this. I'm done. And I've done that with a lot of things in my life. I know one of the things that I've been trying repeatedly over the years to get good at, and I'm still not good at because I, I hit roadblocks and stumble, is playing guitar. I've been trying to learn how to play guitar for almost 10 years now. And if you ask me to play the most basic of song, I'd probably struggle with it. Like, I know my cowboy chords, and I know where some of the notes are, and that's about it. Because every time I go to seek that next level of mastery, it's something that's very difficult for me because it does involve a lot of memory, which has never been my my strongest point. So that's that's a big part of... of a low self-esteem person's reaction to, to certain things is that I'm just going to give up. It's too hard. Now, I wanted to tell you a couple of stories about how I believe my self-esteem got to the place I was. Obviously, I, I grew up in a house where I was expected to be perfect and that. Probably, now, I, I'm not 100% certain about this. I know when I was talking to my therapist, he believed that a lot of it was led to my relationships with my family. There were a couple of other things that I thought were just like real big points in my life that, that I thought really affected my self-esteem negatively. The first one I can, I can seriously remember was the first time I asked out a girl I got turned down. Like you kind of don't want that to be your first experience in something. And that, and that was bad. Nothing like overly crazy. Just, you know, asked out a girl that was probably out of my league. I had a thing for like the hottest girls in my high school and never got them, but I had a thing for them. And for a while I was ballsy enough to try to do something about it. And I was pretty extremely overweight growing up. I know that I got picked on for being overweight. I got, I have inverted nipples, which is a weird thing. I got picked on for that. I would say stupid stuff too. Like I remember I was getting picked on about that with my shirt off one day and I was like, oh, well, my mom got shot in the war. <laughs> my mom's not even, she may have been old enough to be in Vietnam, but I don't think so. It was just totally stupid. And of course, I, to this day, I get made fun of for that. Like if I ever see any of my old neighborhood buddies, they will relentlessly make fun of me for that. It, it turns out that it's just genetics. It's just kind of because I'm a little bit overweight and genetically, that's just, just the way it is. But I, I, I was really, really paranoid about this. So I always had the feeling I was a little bit overweight. And then so I got turned down and immediately my thoughts go to, you're not attractive enough. You're not this, you're not that. I mean, who knows? The girl might've just not, you know, I mean, I think I was in fifth grade. I mean, might have just not been interested in boys yet. Who knows? So that was a big thing. And that kind of plays into the next one, which was... The next two kind of combined. High school dating for me was not easy. I think I had two girlfriends in high school. One of them won't talk to me to this day. I don't know why. I I mean, I don't think I was a dick to her, but she just won't talk to me. And the other one is currently a lesbian, which is great for her. We kind of knew it when we were dating, but just to show you what kind of girls I would I would go out with in high school. Maybe I wasn't really going for what I should have been in a person, but I mean, that's because I, I, again, had this low self-esteem on myself. And uh, another big generator of that for me was I went on a Washington, D.C. trip when I was in eighth grade. Now, this is um, not the greatest of stories, I got to say. I was in a room with three of my friends, two of my kind of good friends from baseball, and then one of my closest friends to this day. And we were up late. It was, you know, you're in eighth grade. You're, what, 12 years old, 11, 12, 13 years old. So you're just sitting in bed yakking. And this is like the first time you're really starting to get interested in women. So I'm talking to my friends, and I was... I'm not a po- I wasn't a popular guy, but my cousin was popular. I had a female cousin in the same grade who was popular. And I always had the ability to talk to people. Like, even if 
I was screaming and worrying inside that I wasn't good enough, wasn't smart enough. I never had really a problem approaching and just talking to people until much later in life. I did, this has kind of ebbed and flowed throughout my life. It did get bad for a point, but at this point I was still pretty, pretty gregarious. I would go out and I would talk to people. So we're sitting in, in our room talking about how we got roomed next to a room with probably four of the best looking girls in my high school. And my one buddy is like, oh, wouldn't it be great if they were over here? And I, <laughs> I guess... Uh, boastingly was like, yeah, because they don't be all over here talking to me. Now, what I really meant was these girls were all, you know, I, I could talk to them. You guys have never shown any ability to talk to women. They would be over here talking to me because I can talk. It got construed that I thought I was some sort of players uh, player or something because the girls that we were referring to were sitting in the next room listening into our conversation at the door. And they were not too kind to me. They, they kind of told everybody. And so the rest of my trip was all the quote-unquote popular kids making me feel like a giant ass. Actually, nice side note to that story. One of the kids who gave me the biggest hard time about it, I ran into about five years after high school working at a music store and he actually came up to me. I'm like, Oh, Hey, he's like, yeah. Do you remember me from high school? I'm like, yeah, I know you Ed. how you doing? And he's like, yeah, I just wanted to apologize, man. I, I remember our, our Washington DC trip and I was pretty awful to you. And I don't really know why. Cause we had talked for a couple of minutes at that point about, about music and stuff. He's like, you seem like a pretty cool guy. I don't, you know, I was just a dick kid. I'm really sorry. And that meant a lot to me, actually, that, that was a, a really big point for me. Cause you know, it made me believe I wasn't all that crazy. So that was, that was a pretty big negative blow. And after that point, I did kind of shut off when it came to approaching and talking to girls. I had one female friend throughout high school that got messed up because we didn't actually get to date, which we both wanted to, but it never worked out. And it kind of sent me on a pretty bad spiral to where I didn't really date anybody in college. I had an episode where I was kind of a man whore for a couple of years and would just go around having, you know, random hookups with girls in college. And it was a bad scene for a while. There's actually parts of my 18 to 22 year old life that I just don't remember. Like I was so screwed up mentally that I don't remember big chunks. I had a really good friend of mine at college when I went to SUNY Albany who I, I know his first name. I knew his last name. We were in a class together. Couldn't tell you what it was and haven't seen this kid for years and years, probably since college. Great guy. Wish I had. He was awesome. He's my buddy. Haven't really seen him. Now, I don't want to you know, act like, oh, what was me? I've only had bad experiences. No, I've had some pretty good ones too. Most of my good experiences involved athletics. I, I played baseball until I was 23 years old. Um, I was really out of shape at that point. But at that point, I switched over to Taekwondo and got myself in a pretty decent shape. I did martial arts for about five years until I moved up to uh, New Hampshire to work for a company. And that's, that's a minor point in life. But I threw a no-hitter when I was 15 years old. And that was like, I thought I was, I can very distinctly remember my 15-year-old season. I went out beforehand saying, I'm going to win the MVP of this league and there's nothing anybody can do to stop me. And I said it loud enough so everybody could hear me because I honestly believed in myself. It was one of those rare things, especially for me, where I thought I believed in myself. Now, it turned out I finished second in the voting, but I threw a no-hitter. I hit a couple home runs. My team got to the championship game. We had the best regular season record. I made the all-star team. Like, I felt pretty good about myself. And in Taekwondo, I, I was reasonably athletic when I started. And if you know anything about martial arts, which hopefully will change in the next couple of years, but not the most athletic kid on the block usually ends up doing martial arts. So I was a pretty high-level athlete to come into something like that, even being out of shape. So once I got into shape, I actually wound up sparring pretty well at some tournaments. I won a couple of, of medals. I have a real fun time when I wound up going into a tournament up at Cortland uh, College in, in upstate New York. And I'm sparring this kid and I'm, 
I'm just going to town. He he's deciding he went to this one school where I saw his his black belt instructor spar and they were just spin kick, jump, spin kick, jump, spin kick. Well, he was an older guy who didn't have that uh, pure technical ability, but he was trying to spin into me and I would just step back, kick him in the head, step back, kick him in the head, step back, kick him in the head. One of the times I step back, kick him in the head and I hear a big loud pop and the kid falls down to the ground and they break us apart and I go over to my corner and I go to my instructor, who's a good friend of mine, I go, I go coach, I broke his nose, I heard it pop, I know it. I know I broke his nose, we're watching him get up, I'm expecting blood to be pulling down his face and he's fine and I'm like, okay, what, huh? Finished the match out, got a really nice compliment from the referee. Go take off all my foot guards and notice a giant black line running down my big toe. It turns out I'd broken my toe off the kid's forehead. Couldn't walk for about a week and a half. It wasn't the best, but I I was reasonably successful in those endeavors. But even in those, like, and it was funny because my self-esteem and self-worth in those areas was very high. And maybe it was a little bit of compensation for how low my self-esteem was in lower levels, but I haven't really gotten a more stable look on my self-esteem until I've gotten a little bit older now. I know hormones have a lot to do with that. When you're a hormonal teenager, you're all over the place, but it gets a little hard to, to keep a, a straight head when, when you got it all, you know, the highs are really high, the lows are really lows. Then I wound up having a situation about eight to 10 years ago with a really terrible accent. I mean, emotionally abusive. She wasn't big enough to be physically abusive. I was a foot and a half taller than she was, but emotionally she did an absolute number on me. She kept telling me, you're, you're never going to find anyone who likes you. That doesn't have kids. I'm the best you're ever going to do. All the while she's talking to her ex and cheating on me and stuff and accusing me of doing the same thing. Cause she, clearly she was a low self-esteem individual as well. The problem was, was I took it all to heart. I wasn't smart enough to realize that was her compensating for something that she thought was wrong with her i took it as you're right <laughs> you're right i'm i'm terrible and horrible and fat and never find love and blah 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 and unfortunately it messed me up for a good year and a half and at that point in time i had lost all of that passion and gregariousness that i had had when i was a young man and by young i mean like a teenager and you know even into my my young teens the parts of the years i'm imagining i was gregarious and had fun i, I don't really remember it but that that was that was tough and that, that took me a couple of years to really get over that and realize that you can only feel as good as somebody lets you feel, you know, like if you're, if you're holding on to that sort of my self-worth is dictated through the thoughts of others, you're only ever going to feel as good as the next person tells you to feel. And I still struggle with that from time to time. I do get to the point where I'm like, oh, well, I hope this person likes me. Like, oh, I hope, I hope my friend, my new friend thinks I'm cool, you know, and it's stupid. It's very adolescent thought patterns that get stuck in your head that I, I still to this day struggle with and I'm trying very hard to break out of. So I just wanted to talk to you a little bit about that, a little bit about my journey with self-esteem. That's going to be one of the big things that I hope is, that I hope goes hand in hand with the the meditation and improving. I'm not 100%, but both the Mayo Clinic and Texas University University of Texas sites that I read said that mindfulness and self-compassion, which are two of the big tenets of Buddhism and meditation, are really good at helping promote better self-esteem in yourself. So I'm really hoping that's part of it. And part of it is going to be able to snap myself out of those, oh, you're fat, you're stupid. No, I'm not. Like, I know I'm not. And that's the thing. Like, I can look in the mirror and I'm like, I'm a decent looking guy. I may not be Brad Pitt, but I'm not bad. I'm like, I got good, I got a full head of hair at 34, so I'm doing all right. So that's that's kind of where my journey is. And this is something that I think I'm going to update you guys on every so often, how I'm feeling about myself. Now, obviously, I know there's ups and downs in everything. There's good days. There's bad days. There's days when I'm going to feel awesome. There's days when I'm going to feel terrible. The goal is to kind of even those out. So the last thing I wanted to talk about, and this is kind of related to self-esteem because it's something that really negatively affects people's self-esteem 
in the modern world, and that's social media. Now, I know I pimp my Facebook and my Twitter pretty hard, and that's purely for this, because I really want you guys to get a hold of me and talk to me about what you're going on with. I know that eventually my goal is to be able to answer some of these questions for you guys every week and talk to you about what your problems are, because this show isn't all for me. I mean, I would like this to help me get better, but I want to help other people too. I want you guys to also feel like you're on this journey with me. And one of the funny things I found is that social media, which I have more or less stopped participating in in the last four years, has a very negative effect on people. And what I wanted to highlight with that is when you're looking at somebody else's Facebook or Instagram, you really have to keep in mind that you're basically getting the greatest hits view of their life. You're only seeing the best of the best. You're seeing, I got a new car, I got a new job, I got a new girlfriend, we're having a baby. You never see the, I feel bloated and, and, and fat and I had diarrhea today, because who's going to post that? I mean, I might for a laugh, but the average person's not going to post that, so you're living your life where, you know, your arm hurts all day and your boss was a dick, and you're seeing this other person who seems to have this charmed life of everything good, and it could be your friend down the road, and realistically you know better like you'll see a friend of yours that you saw a week ago and they're like oh things ain't great you know the weather sucks and you're like well wait a minute like i just saw it on your facebook you got a new car bro like what's good but you have to realize that that's their greatest hits reel that's the best of the best that's like going and listening to appetite for destruction by guns and roses not listening to their whole catalog of which half of it is garbage well everybody's life is half garbage your life is half garbage my life's half garbage i'm sure there are people out there whose lives are like only a quarter garbage, but everybody has garbage they have to deal with. So make sure that when you're on your Facebook or your Twitter or your social media, that you're not comparing yourself to what you're seeing on there because that's their greatest hits, man. That's their top of the top, not their day-to-day -day life. You live in the here and now in the real world. You got to keep yourself grounded for that. So that's going to do it for today. Hopefully next week I'll have started my walking again. I have no intentions of stopping meditating or drinking water. You can hear my water right there right next to me at all times now make sure you hit me up i'm patrick james you can find me on facebook at facebook.com slash dj patrick james you can find me on twitter at pj voiceworks or you can hit up the website pjvoice.net uh, have a great week keep on climbing folks